and the type of music and uh, cultural val values that the establishment puts out there that our young people are sucked into. Now, in the latest Trends Journal, one thing that caught my eye was how you talk about this, quote, thrill of the thuggish, as you coin it, and how it was going to be trumped over the next couple of years uh, by a return to beauty and elegance in the creative arts, and that's something that piqued my interest. So can you expand, Gerald, on why you think uh, this new trend will be born and how it will uh, manifest itself in culture and society? For those that understand that this has to be clearly one of the biggest money makers waiting out there to happen. As you mentioned, we've dumbed down to levels where we now have the President of the United States riffing on Snooky. The people that are the smart money are going to say, contrary to what the media says, contrary to what Madison Avenue and Hollywood say, there are 20% of the population with money and with brains that want to keep stepping up. So it means if you're going to open up a little restaurant, open up a cool little bistro that's really done nicely but with good price points. You're seeing more and more, Paul, the people that are making it in this economy, opening up new venues, doing it with putting elegance and grace back into it people dressing up. A lot of people really want to do it, but they don't have anywhere to do it. In music, in entertainment, you name it, food, fashion, at every level, people are looking for a higher level. Is everybody? No. There's going to be the 80% of the over, you know, the people that are stuffing themselves with junk food, that are sedentary, that are strapped in front of the TV or computer and not moving, lose them. You're not going to get them. So in a marketing sense, go toward the elegance. Now, to answer your question about this whole anti-Muslim rage.
traditions that we are immortal souls temporarily incarnated in these physical forms to learn and to grow and to, uh, and to develop. And really, if we want to know about this mystery, the last people we should ask are materialist reductionist scientists. They have nothing to say on the matter at all. Let's go rather to the ancient Egyptians who put their best minds to work for 3,000 years on the problem of death and on the problem of how we should live our lives to prepare for what we will confront after death. And the ancient Egyptians expressed their ideas in transcendent art, which still touches us emotionally today, and they came to certain very specific conclusions that the soul does survive death and that we will be held accountable for every thought, every action, every deed that we have lived through. So we better take this precious opportunity to be born in a human body seriously and make the most of it. Now, it's difficult to imagine a society more different from the society of ancient Egypt than our society today. We hate visionary states in this society. In our society, if we want to insult somebody, we call them a dreamer. In ancient societies, that was praise. When I've asked shamans about the sickness of the West, they say it's quite simple. You guys have severed your connection with spirit. Unless you reconnect with spirit and do so soon, you're going to bring the whole house of cards down around your heads and ours. And what it's all about is a state of consciousness that's designed to help us find balance, harmony. The ancient Egyptians would have called it mart with the, with the universe and to remain mindful that what we're here to undertake on earth while immersed in matter is fundamentally a spiritual journey aimed at the, the growth and perfection of the
of that stuff, they can't. There's nothing they can do to any of that. And in fact, all they're doing, they just sort of, they're fueling my will and my desire to beat them and to destroy them, you know? Not in a physical way, but mentally. And there's no way that these guys are more mentally strong than me. It might be on some equivalent level, but there's no way that any of them are putting in the amount of work, the amount of hours, the amount of studying, the amount of time that I put into trying to fucking understand this whole quantum mechanism of consciousness and mind and spirituality and God. And in the end, they can't suppress that on any level. And if they want to, if they want to push me into a corner, then I will go full out. I will fucking unite with serious disclosure. I'll fucking unite with Anonymous. I'll fucking unite with all of these organizations and they'll see the biggest revolution they've ever seen. And it won't come to any kind of physical situation. It'll be straight mental. It'll be straight non-violent. And it'll be... Quantum. Quantum. It'll be pure... It'll be... Be pure quantum fucking revolution, you know? And I'll meditate and pray on these dudes every single day. Yeah, I mean, when you start to understand the power of mind and the power of consciousness and how, on a scientific level, they're proving that we are within a realm of consciousness, of mentality. And that's, that's all pervading. I mean, that supersedes the physical on every level. Omniscient, omnipresent, omnipervading. Exactly. Your true strength and your and your true power comes in into your ability to connect to that. You, you can, your ability to understand that and your ability. Show me love will take away my fear
What's it called? The uh, Housewives of Orange County. They really, I got obsessed with them because they were just having all of these awful disagreements all the time. And yeah, I'm a communications guy. I'm trying to figure out what, why is their communication breaking down? And, right? So 
this is what I do. So I know. I, so I, I concluded in the end that it's because they've put so much Botox in their faces that they can't actually execute facial expressions in an honest way anymore, in a way that the other person organically can react oh to. Oh, my God. So these women, in trying to kind of freeze time at age 29, ended up making themselves inaccessible to the now that they're in. Wow. Because, you know, you see one, they'll say, oh, you know, my... You know, my daughter, I think she might have cancer. And the other one's like, oh, I'm so sorry. But she's frozen in a smile, right? So then oh they go to the first God. one and she's I can't believe I told her my daughter, you know, has cancer. And the other one, she says she's sorry, but I can tell she's not. <sighs> you know, and that's sort of, I mean, that's, it's just a metaphor. But, uh, but it's true. They're uh, like it's true. stuffing cotton in their mouth and they can't, you can't understand what they're saying. Right. Like they're, they're ruining the facial communication, the expressions. Of facial communication. Right. And then, then the question is... We live in the, where they're shooting poison in their face to freeze right. it. Right. But they're, to freeze it in time is the Ugh. thing. They're trying to stop yeah. time. And that's like a... It's, I understand the urge to stop time, but when you stop time, you lose the moment. That's kind yeah. of the whole point I'm making. It's like in the, the net. It can stop time in a certain way, but you're going to lose certain moments then. You know? So I'm, I'm all for being...
to, to satisfy that pride. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you, you throw so much stuff off in the unseen round part. It's like you just threw a monkey wrench in the whole thing, man. Like, boom, you think you really made the world a worse place. Man, after my father passed away, it just really hit home, man. What is this all about? What, What is the end result here? You know, the end result is at some point, you know, all of us are going to pass from this earth, from this experience. What am I chasing? What am I trying to do? Everything that I could, I could accumulate will just turn to dust. All these houses that I own, they're gonna, someone else is going to own them in 50 years. It's not going to be me. You know, it's going to end after that. We can't hold anything, nothing material. So what really matters to me, man, are the more, more and more are the intrinsic things, man. You know, the subtle things, joy, beauty, health. Everyone's uh, mired in materialism. Chasing after money and, and the, the media and the internet pumps it in your mind that everyone should be a millionaire. If you ain't a millionaire, then you're... <laughs> You're a loser, because everyone's a millionaire, it seems like. And you're chasing after them, and you, even with music, it's like, what am I doing music for? To make millions? Or to, or to serve in some kind of transcendent way? That after I'm gone, what I put down will benefit other people who are searching in life. That's what, la- I mean, if you look at all the musicians that last, Bob Marley, for instance, his music just stays alive. It keeps feeding people. Other people like, um, I don't know, whomever, you know, their music just dies. It just dies a death because there's no spiritual element in it. There's no eternal piece of it. So it just dies, just material. And that's not what it is. That talks about power versus force. And how force is on the negative wavelength and power is actually a positive thing, upliftment. That's true power. Mm Mm-hmm. With people who use force that are moving on a low vibration. But we look at force as power and we look at power as weakness. The humanity is backwards and can't embrace it, you know, and is perverted. And uh, I mean, the shockwaves of MLK or of Gandhi or the Christ or any of these people still, re- still emanate today, you know, just ripple so hard when I think about it, man. Just. It just blows everything out of the water that I could possibly compare to it. You know, none of these people, these politicians or these uh, entertainers, they don't come close, man. It's it's just a a self-absorbed, narcissistic. It's just it's just a momentary thrill. It's it's minor in comparison to the strength and the vibration they put off, man. The sacrifice, the spiritual knowledge, you know, the vision. Hey, and it's like you were saying last time, man. It's on us. To, to develop that character, go through what we're going through, our trials, and exemplify and live up to the best that we know we're supposed to do. We know better. And when we do that, we set an example for the, for the next man. And that's how we slowly uplift the race.
Paper 74. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve arrived on Urantia from the year A.D. 1934, 37,848 years ago. It was in mid-season when the garden was in the height of bloom that they arrived. At high noon and unannounced, the two seraphic transports, accompanied by the Jerusalem personnel entrusted with the transportation of the biologic uplifters to Urantia, settled slowly to the surface of the revolving planet in the vicinity of the Temple of the Universal Father. All the work of rematerializing the bodies of Adam and Eve was carried on within the precincts of this newly created shrine. And from the time of their arrival, ten days passed before they were recreated in dual human form for presentation as the world's new rulers. They regained consciousness simultaneously. The material sons and daughters always serve together. It is the essence of their service at all times and in all places, never to be separated. They are designed to work in pairs. Seldom do they function alone. 1. Adam and Eve on Jerusalem The planetary Adam and Eve of Urantia were members of the senior corps of material sons on Jerusalem, being jointly number 14,311. They belonged to the third physical series and were a little more than eight feet in height. At the time Adam was chosen to come to Urantia, he was employed with his mate in the trial and testing physical laboratories of Jerusalem. For more than 15,000 years, they had been directly to the
And if there's only one, there can't be union nor division. Thank the good people of Los Angeles for helping us. Thank you all for listening. Next time.